You're listening to Siren Radio with me, Andrew David. High time I saw whether the technology before me does that marvellous bit of magic because we are recording this at uh, 10 minutes past four on Tuesday, the 16th of September. And that's high time. We press buttons and make the connection with the man cave to see whether the awesomeness that is Bruce K. Rosenblum is sitting there ready and able to open up, bring us some sunshine. Are you there, Bruce? Uh, I am. I don't know if I'm going to be a ray of sunshine this morning, but I'm well, certainly here. <laughs> let, let's, let's give it some context. First of all, we've done a little pre-chat and you're sitting there in your, your usual T-shirt because that's, you know, California. You've got your baseball cap, the L.A. Dodgers. They're doing quite nicely more, a bit about that. But you, you are in pain. And the, the progression from having your knee done to having your Band-Aid off last week to today um, is up and down and um, you, you've had to resort to a bit of pain killing, haven't you? Yeah, it's, um, you know what, they tell you half the truth when you have, you have these <laughs> things. They tell you that it's a very easy operation and technology makes it so accurate. You know, we talked about all the robotics and that's true. We did. You know, it, that was, they, they didn't lie about that, but what they don't really tell you is that the recovery process it's probably going to take a full year. Oh. It's not something that happens overnight. And I've had my good days and my bad days, Andrew. And, um, you know, I, 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 for the most part during the day, I'm okay. And then it's when I settle down at night to try to sleep when everything starts to, to act up. And so sleeping has been um, not great. And last night was one of those nights where around three in the morning, I had to resort. To and, uh, oh, right. A little groggy and so if, if I seem a little out of it this morning, that's why. Kind of lack of sleep, and right now the knee is is, is, is you know, I'm, I'm sitting in my chair here in position to me, and so it's um yeah it's just it's one of those things. The, the physical therapy feels good when I do it, and then I pay the price for you know trying to be trying to do too much well let's be gentle with you maybe we won't um, push you too far but there are quite a few interesting things to talk about um there's a, a whole china thing going on heading our high, high our headlines here in the uk we'll talk a bit about that in a minute but we have to reflect that we've just passed the anniversary the 20th anniversary of 9 11 and some of those events that we saw were utterly wonderful if for the wrong reason uh, the reason being, of course, so many people died. But but the way they were handled and the way presidents and former presidents were there was quite magnificent with one huge omission, of course. Yeah, one huge omission, which was which was um, the Donald Trump, no surprise. But yes, you're right. It was uh, it was um, a very emotional 20 year anniversary of that. I mean, uh, there were some wonderful specials. Um, showing, you know, focusing on the women of 9-11 and, and you know, some of the heroes of, of the events of that day were, were very strong and, and wonderful women whose stories are now being told. A woman at the Pentagon who led people to safety and just women who were just in, you know, in, just happened to be caught up at the wrong place at the wrong time who themselves got, got severely injured or Know, or became heroes in the face of such devastation, and there were wonderful stories, and um, some, you know, some some difficult stories. Not everything turned out perfect for these people, but you know, 20 years later, they seem to be they seem to be doing 
you know, well, or at least as well as could be expected coming, having lived through that. Another beautiful special was um, that, that Diane Sawyer did was reuniting, you know, 60 different families, 60 children who were born like in the days following the loss of their fathers, the firemen, the policemen, and other, any other people. And they focused on the moms and the kids 20 years later. And it was just an amazing, an amazing story. And to see how many of these people followed in their father's footsteps. And then they showed side-by-side -side photos of, of the parent and the child and how some of these people are the spitting images of their parents. It was, it was one of those goosebump moments, but it, uh -huh. was, it was beautifully done. And then the ceremonies that took place around the country were just, um, were, were amazing. And you, know, you had, you know, Joe Biden and Jill Biden visiting some of the hallowed grounds and making, you know, saying a few words and paying their respects. And then you had in Shanksville where Flight 93 went down, which was the, the flight that the passengers overtook the hijackers and took the plane down before any further damage could be done to any you know, buildings or, or symbols of, the, of our democracy. You had George W. Bush. Um, who was in office when 9-11 happened, making some comments. And they were, his remarks were beautiful and powerful. And then he was followed by Kamala Harris, who, I mean, it was just, you know, sometimes, you know, she um, doesn't come across as kind of a, a forceful or strong leader, in all honesty, but, but yeah, she came across beautifully and her words were powerful and, you know, thanking, George Bush and for being there and for his leadership and for the words about where he feels America is now. And, and hopefully this, this moment, this emotional moment 20 years later would bring our country together. So, you know, the people who needed to be out there, you know, Biden and Harris did their part, but George Bush and Laura Bush were out there doing, you know, they were doing their part, but yeah, where was Donald Trump, you know, um, holding a rally in Alabama in a, in a maskless people next to each other, you know, again, spewing the big lie and all this other nonsense in a, you know, and, and, and making fun of masking and vaccines and, 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 and chiding Biden on his, uh, you know, his handling of Afghanistan. And yet he's doing it in a city in Alabama that is the worst infected city in the state, one of the most infected cities in the country with no hospital beds left. And that's what he was doing. And then following that, he does a, uh, it was a, a, a boxing match when these, these like pay-per-view things. And it was supposed to be, I believe, um, Oscar De La Hoya was supposed to fight. He was supposed to, he was a, the, the, the Olympic gold medal fighter. Yep. Like in, you know, he's like in his fifties now or whatever. He, he supposedly got COVID and had to back out. They had a Vander Holyfield fight. If you remember Evander Holyfield, he was yep. the guy who Mike Tyson bit his ear off in a fight years ago, mm. like in his 60s now. And he gets in the ring with this young guy who pummels him and just beats him. It was embarrassing. It was disgusting, to say the least. And yet, who was the color commentator for that boxing match on, on, on this uh, very emotional uh, weekend? Donald Trump. I did. You know? that, that, so, that... So, so what does that tell you? I mean, what does that tell you about... Know, leadership and, and patriotism and, and and wanting to bring the country together for the good of the people. What does that tell you? Well, you know, I, it's, I, it's one of those things where I think what you've just described 
says it all without us making any comment. The fact that, uh, and I'm still got this image of uh, Kamala Harris and uh, former President George Bush together. That is a sign of democracy working properly because they came together at that significant moment, that pivotal moment. Um, and, and, the res- and the respect that was shown between the two is, you know, unparalleled. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. But <clears throat> you, we would, we've talked about um, uh, Joe Biden um, and just moving the story on a bit. Um, you've had a happy event in California. Governor Newsom has managed to throw off the, uh, the, the attempt to get him thrown out of office. And you had uh, President Biden in California at the same time. But you noticed something about Joe Biden that has given you some level of concern. Yeah, I, you know, Joe Biden came to California to campaign for um, at a no on the recall um, issue in California, you know, Governor Newsom's being recalled, and how that came about is pretty, pretty dicey as well. But Biden looked tired. He looked a little slow. He looked a little tired, um, and it makes me wonder, you know, if he really has the wherewithal to give a, a re-election run a shot. And and that that it's a concern. It's, it's, a, it's a growing concern, I think, in the Democratic Party. And He's being attacked for his mental competence, um, especially after the handling of the um, Afghanistan withdrawal. And, and uh, you know, and some of the, some of the, you know, some of the attacks on him uh, for that withdrawal are warranted, and, and then many are not. I mean, th- those that are looking, you know, to gain their own self-interest are are, are, are blaming him for the the kind of the unorganized way it was handled. But at the end of the day, I mean, it was a 20 year situation, regardless of who would have been in power, Absolutely. regardless of how well you plan for something like this, you can't, it, it doesn't go perfectly. And you, you, you know, and you know that the terrorists are going to infiltrate as soon as America gets out, you know, it's not going to be an easy, an easy um, um, exorcism of, of people that we need to get out. And it, it's, you know, it, it was a shame that it just wasn't more organized, though. I wish I wish it could have been. I wish it, it, it could have been. So that was so that's one less distraction uh, that he has going on during, you know, then his, his, his administration, because, you know, we've got issues going on in China. We've got issues going on with the pandemic. We've got, you know, we're trying to get um, an infrastructure bill passed. And uh, it's it's it's, you know, it seems like. You know, we're the the, you know, the fight towards the midterms are, are, are already happening, and there's a lack of respect and a lack of cooperation between parties, and you know, people doing and saying things that that just don't make sense. You have a Kevin McCarthy who's you know wants to be Speaker of the House if the Republicans take it back in the midterm, and he's talking about you know vaccinations and mask mandates, and yet his own constituency up in Bakersfield is one of the most infected where it's raging out of control up there and he's not done anything to help his constituency. There's no hospital beds available in Bakerfield. It's, it's a real sad situation up there. And yet he's out there, you know, knocking everybody else. You've got Republican um, in, 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 in the Senate that are, that are, you know, you know, acting like, you know, they're, they're horrified by the amount of money that, that the Democrats want to spend on the infrastructure bill. Um, and creating jobs and creating better airports and better roadways and better water systems and cleaner air. And, and yet in California, 
you know, they went and spent $300 million of taxpayer money. That's called the governor because um, they thought the, the, because they thought because they caught him after telling people that we should wear masks to stay safe and, and schools should be closed. Kids should, you know, learn home and not get infected that because they caught him at a, at a, at a restaurant fundraiser not wearing a mask that was a reason to to kick him out of office and then they also you know made an issue out of the fact that his kids go to private school not public school so his kids didn't have to you know be a part of the same rules that he was laying down for the rest of our children and so that that's what drove the whole rec that's what pretty much drove the whole recall i'm and, i'm uh, just i'm just still wincing now that you said it was a third of a billion dollars just for something that in the end, because it was 66 yeah. to 34. In the end, the, the, the re-election, the, 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 um, his term ends in a year. So why wouldn't you just not, you know, why wouldn't you just start putting all your, um, you know, your apples into that basket and, and come up with a good candidate and, and, and start, you know, and, and try to launch a campaign for, for what's going to happen in a year from now versus at this point in time, it makes no sense. No. It was all Trump and Republican, you know, the Republican National Committee got behind this thing and funded it because, you know, they were trying to send a message that if they could, if they could do it in California, they can do it anywhere. They might be able to do it in other, in other states. Yeah. And Californians overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly rejected this. It was like 66 to 34. It wasn't even close. And, and I think most people were forgiving of the fact it's like, you know, everybody makes a mistake. Okay. So the, so the guy did it, but you know, how many other, how many other politicians have made worse mistakes doing that? I don't, I don't think you'll ever see Newsom maskless again anywhere. You know, and I, and he's done a heck of a job keeping the state open, keeping the, keeping California safe. you know, they were running ads. They had teenagers, you know, blaming him for the loss of their jobs. You know, oh, I, I, you know, I want out Newsom out. He cost me my job. Well, you know what? That's nonsense. Newsom didn't cost you your job. He probably kept you alive more than he, he had an impact on you losing your job. And, and whilst we're, we're, we're talking about numbers like that, and particularly young people, you've got a big, big problem in uh, America with the number of uh, children and young people who are now infected. I mean, the numbers are knee-cripplingly awful. Yeah, it's... Um... It's, it's not good. Um, case, COVID cases among U.S. children have risen about, say, I think the number was 240% since July. The American Academy of Pediatrics data shows, shows this in that kids now account for 29% of all reported cases nationwide. And the substantial increase, what do you think it is? It's coincided with school reopenings. Yeah. And... Um, Experts say vaccine mandates may be the only way to keep in-person classes viable. But the, 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 the catch-22 here is that children under 12 are not yet eligible for vaccinations. So advocates are, are urging parents to get vaccinated to protect their children. But the problem now is that people that are pretty much remaining to get vaccinated are like, you know, anti-vaxxers and, 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 and don't want to do it for whatever reason. You know, they they're citing all sorts of ridiculous reasons why they, they don't feel they should be vaccinated. So it's, um, it's, a, it's kind of a vicious cycle in, in what's going on here. But the kids now have emerged as you know, a, a key area. And, and again, you know, we have the colleges and universities are back open. And, you know, and college football now brings out hundreds of thousands of people every weekend, packed 
to pack, you know, 90 and 100,000 seat stadiums. And, and so you know, it's great that that national pastime of college football is back. But when you watch these games, you sit in horror, especially when you see games in Florida, you see games in Alabama, you see games in Texas, states where the pandemic is raging and there's no hospital beds. And yet, and, and, and where they're, they're fighting getting vaccinations, and yet you see 100,000 people crammed next to each other in a stadium with no masks. It's, it's you know, it's, it makes you wonder. you got to shake But it does. Head. And we're watching that in the United Kingdom because our universities are going back. Our schools have already gone back. Our colleges have gone back. But our universities don't tend to go back until the back end of September, the early part of October. And uh, we're listening and seeing our colleagues in the Broadcast <clears throat> Education Association sending us messages saying, look, do take notice because in one university where we got some friends in Texas, the infection rate doubled overnight, literally. And in fact, talking about the BEA and the National Association of Broadcasters, they were hoping to run uh, a face-to-face -face conference and exhibition in Las Vegas. They've had to cancel it in April for the last two years or last two Aprils. And they were hoping and they've been planning to have the big, massive conference and a massive exhibition in the in the halls that we we are so used to, where we actually broadcast one of our programs from uh, for for several years, and yesterday the National Association of Broadcasters decided they could not take the risk. So this huge, absolutely massive exhibition and conference has been cancelled. So at least some people are taking responsibility for what could have been a, a mega super spreader event. Well, let me tell you, Andrew, that's hypocritical to what Las Vegas is doing, because um, the other night, um, Monday Night Football was the Las Vegas Raiders against the Baltimore Ravens in the opening game of the season for the Raiders in their brand new stadium in Las Vegas, which was 100,000 strong, no masks rooting for the team. So, you know, why, why they would allow that, you know, why that event gets to go on yet they canceled the conference is beyond me. I do know that it makes, um, no, it, it, it makes no sense. I mean, you know, you yeah, make a very good here's point. The, here's the NAB wants to do the right thing. And yet the national football league is more interested in making money off of uh, ticket sales. Yeah. It'll be no. very interesting. Uh, we've got a very good mutual friend, Ian uh, Eihander, who uh, runs the newsroom out of a couple of uh, AM radio stations in Las Vegas. I'll put a call into him uh, next week to see what his reaction is to this, because um, he, he's a honest, good editor and uh, sees what is right and what should be done. So I'll, I'll see if I can get some comments out of him uh, for yeah, next week's programme. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to hear his thoughts on, on that, that, that kind of juxtaposition of going to be cancelling if the NFL allowing. Yeah, that's so. a that's a very good point. And thanks, thanks. Especially, I mean, it probably is down to money. If they spent all that money on a brand new stadium, uh, they don't want it sitting empty um, any yeah. longer than they have to. Absolutely. Well, okay. Absolutely. Talking about let's let's try and lift ourselves as we move. Yeah. And you've done so well. You know, the drugs are kicking around in the system, but you've been out there fighting. You've come out of your ring. No, I'm better not do the boxing thing. Um, <laughs> but the Dodgers last week and a lot of people said to me, thank you, Bruce, for explaining the maths. Well, we call it the math. You'd call it the math. No, we call it the maths with an S. You call it the math behind how the Dodgers get in. You know, and, and I'm not going to even try and 
replicate it, but to the playoffs, i.e. to become the best team in the world again for second year running. It seems that they're doing quite well um, and that things are going sort of in the right direction. Um, yeah, the Dodgers, you know, interestingly enough, despite all the injuries, you know, they have amongst the best record in baseball. They play a 162-game season. They've won 94 and lost 53. So they have 15 games left. Yep. The only, you know, wah, wah, wah moment <laughs> <laughs> is that in their division is the San Francisco Giants who have won 95 games and have lost 51. And so the Dodgers are, are a game and a half back. So how you how you calculate that is you take the difference in the win column, 95 versus 94 is one. And the difference in the loss column is two. Yep. So the average between the one and the two is one and a half. So the, yeah. the Giants, but they have one more game to play than the Dodgers, so that'll be the half game. So when the two teams play on the same day and one wins and one loses, that could be a game. When one plays and the other one doesn't, that ends up as a half a game. So the Giants have 16 games remaining. The Dodgers have 15 games remaining. The Dodgers are a game and a half out. And um, wouldn't you know that the two best records in baseball by a lot are in the same division. So. <laughs> And, and it's, it's a testament to the Giants because the Giants have uh, – their manager is a former Dodger executive, and their, and their general manager is a former Dodger executive who helped put together the Dodger team years. So they've stolen, a play, they've stolen a page out of the Dodger playbook, and they've, you know, they've created a formula up in San Francisco that pretty much is mirroring what the Dodgers have been doing. And at the end of the day here, the records are identical. And – and all the games that the Dodgers and Giants played this year have been identical. Giants have like one half and the Dodgers one half. The amount of runs scored by each team has been the same. If the Dodgers win one to nothing on one night, the Giants won one to nothing the next night. So it's been that close. I mean, the teams are so, so equal. It's, it's, it's crazy. But we have 15 games left. We have to go to Cincinnati for three, Colorado, Arizona. Um, San Diego, and then home with uh, Milwaukee. And and half those games are going to be very tough. I don't know how difficult the Giants' schedule is at their last 16 games, but it's going to come down. It could come down to the last day of the year. And it, it, it what's really interesting is that if at the end of the day, both teams are tied with the same record, listen to this, they have to play off a one-game playoff between the Dodgers and the Giants to win the division. And then the team that loses has a one-game playoff to get into the playoffs. So it's crazy. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's um it's it's very intense, but it's been fun to watch. And both teams are playing at a very high level. And so, oh, that's you know, terrific! Kind of keeping our fingers crossed that and, we, you know. But that's the important thing, isn't it? If both teams are playing well, like they're not getting through because other teams are defaulting and playing badly, that's great because that's what sport is all about. And it's nice that there's this rivalry because there is a big rivalry, isn't there, between oh, yeah. uh, LA and uh, San Francisco. Uh, so, Well, and that goes back to the New York days because the Giants moved from New York also right yeah. after the Dodgers did. And as a matter of fact, you know, in the history of baseball, the ownership of the Dodgers when they were in Brooklyn encouraged the ownership of the Giants in New York to move to San Francisco. Oh, terrific. And, and changed the paradigm of baseball by bringing baseball to the West Coast yeah. and continuing to keep the Dodger-Giants rivalry alive. Terrific. A lot of history, not only in San Francisco and L.A., but in New York, between uh, New York and Brooklyn. 
Terrific. Well, you you have you have lifted my spirits by um, by 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 simply the enthusiasm you have for very very complicated mathematics with one point five games splitting the two of them. But anyway, you know, I I'm I could try and spend hours explaining to you the subtleties of the game of cricket and probably we'd get into the same sort of. And maybe one day we'll do a program doing just that. You can explain to the listener baseball, and I can explain to you an American cricket. You know, and I have a I have a. <laughs> say this three, fast three times a quick cricket question for you go on go on in my morning crossword puzzle the the instrument used to hit the ball i guess in cricket is that called a bat yes it's called a bat it's oh, a cricket. okay so it's i got that a... answer I, I i i guessed it was a bat and i got yeah. that answer correct but i wanted to check with you first i thought it was going to be something some more complicated because there are that you have three things either end called stumps and on right. the top, you have two little bits of wood which balance on the stumps, and they're called bales. So I thought it was going to be, could it be stumps and bales? But it's what do you hit the ball with? A bat. Yes, it's a cricket bat. That's what it's called. It's made out of willow, and um, it's, it's laminated, and it has a special spring. But I think a bit like a baseball. You've got different types of material giving different types of spring and all the rest of it. So you you basically have at that level, right. at test match level, you have your cricket bat made specifically for you. So um, there we go. We, we yeah, have got into thank cricket. Thank you for taking care of that. That's perfectly right. And I'm going to say you've done stunningly well. I hope the rest of the day is not too uncomfortable for you and that we can join forces again this time next week to explore more of uh, what pulls America and the United States and the United Kingdom together in a way that they're doing so in the news, but over uh, an, another country called China. And we're not going to go there. So Bruce K. Rosenblum, thank you so much indeed for joining us today here on Siren Radio. My pleasure, Andrew, and I uh, hope everybody up in, uh, in, your, in your neck of the world uh, stays uh, healthy and safe and uh, look forward to, to doing this again with you next week.